Good morning, my brothers and sisters. Pastor Mike coming to you once again. I hope and pray that all of you are doing well in this time of calamity. We thank you for the word today. We will be going to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 through 5. As we go before the Lord, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our good health and strength. We thank you for those that are listening to the word. I pray that the blinders will come off, Father. I pray that someone will be delivered by your word, Father. I thank you for your life-changing word that has been sent here to deliver us, God, to give us change in our lives that we will live a better godly life, Father. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, we're coming out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Whew. Such a powerful word there. My title today will be, If You Focus Too Much on the Negative, You'll Lose Sight of the Positive. I suspect that Paul was visiting the Athens here, and he was more affected than what we realize, and I wanted to dive into this and bring Paul back down to where some of the things he was experiencing, we experience today as well. Few people believed and received while Paul was given the word of God here in Athens. And it began to mess with him mentally because he knew who God was. He knew what God was capable of doing. He had already seen God working and delivering and folk just being changed. And all of a sudden he comes to this town of Athens. And they wanted to do more arguing about philosophies rather than considering the truth. And they didn't throw Paul out of the town, nor did, did they persecute him. And as you look back through studying Paul, you'll find that Paul typically got thrown out of towns a lot. But this time, they pretty much just left him alone. And he was living sort of a lonely life. And it began to be frustrating to him. Paul had plenty of time to think. And sometimes too much time to think can be just as bad as not having enough time to think. He spent several grueling days alone. During these long hours that you research on here, uh, he convinced himself that he had failed in his opportunity in his task to, to present the word of God to have folks' lives be changed. He became so focused on the negative that he lost sight of the positive. 
Have you ever noticed how sometimes lengthy times that we have to sit around and just think how our state of mind can be truly affected by just too much thinking? Aloneness exaggerates our emotions and our sensitivities. For example, we can sometimes sense the presence of God and hear his voice far more better when we just get alone, when we just get to ourselves, when we get somewhere and just we get to our own private time and just truly let his word and those thoughts saturate us. However, we find ourselves almost thinking too much on the wrong things. And insecurity turns into immobilization. And intimidation turns into terror. So I took a moment to, to really break these words down. Insecurity, some of us have that lack of confidence. And lack of confidence will turn into being immobilized, where we are sort of in a paralyzed state, where we're fixed in place. And intimidation, which means when we've been, we've been frightened, we pull back from someone, it turns into terror. Because now being intimidated and being frightened, it controls your lives mentally and physically and sometimes can even make you sick in the body and the mind. I compare this to sometimes one of my grandbabies. She don't want to go in the, another room without someone because She's sort of frightened. She don't want to at times be in the dark because she's frightened and it paralyzes her. It, it, it does something to her emotional state, her state of mind. And this happens also with grown folk. It's not just children, but it's grown folk that that intimidation turns into terror for them physically and mentally. So you have to be careful about all the time you spend running away with those negative thoughts. Those negative thoughts can run and run and run and run till they just truly control our being. And we don't even really know it sometimes until someone brings it to our attention. I believe the more Paul thought about his experiences in Athens, the worse he felt. 1 Corinthians 2 and 1, it actually suggests that Paul felt intimidated here. It says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Because he was intimidated. He was intimidated by the folk in this town. You see, Athens attracted intellectuals who could debate eloquently and were eager to flaunt their knowledge. And I believe Paul truly thought about this. And if you go back to Acts chapter 17 and 18, you'll read where when it says he tried to preach to them, the philosophers disputed with him and it says some even sneered they turned their nose up against Paul 
Paul had been the pride of his graduating class. He was a child prodigy. It says Paul knew the, the, the law as a teenager better than the average adults back in that time. You can imagine how his ego was being beaten up. He was on a journey of an ego beating. And I believe Paul felt like a failure, like sometimes in life we feel like failures when it comes to certain things that we're trying to accomplish. 1 Corinthians 2.2 says, By the time he reached Corinth, he had determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he determined to know nothing Yet and still, Paul knew the law better than the average adult. However, he, were, he was allowing his being intimidated by the intellectuals and his insecurity at that time, his lack of confidence, he was allowing that to control him. But thank goodness he knew the only thing he really had to know. He determined to base his life and ministry on Christ. That was the one thing that he was certain of. That Christ was who he truly knew. That Christ was the man of God. That Christ was higher and knew more than anybody. So he put his trust into knowing who Christ was. In 1 Corinthians, we see an insight Paul eventually gained from his experience, though. Are these words evident that he may have been thinking back on his trip with the Athenians? For to those who are perishing, the message of the cross is foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is God's power. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18, 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom. So if you think that you are so wise out there, <laughs> it's written, it's in the word of God. I will set aside the understanding of those that think they they are experts. God used this entire experience to show Paul an important lesson that I want to convey to you all today. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, he wrote, But the natural man does not welcome what comes from God's spirit, because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to know it since he, it is evaluated spiritually. Paul ultimately gained the insights he wrote about in 1 Corinthians. But as he traveled and his mind was in great turmoil, I can imagine the miles between Athens and Corinth, Paul probably hashed and rehashed his experience like we do in life today. He wished he had said this or said that. And I myself have been in situations where after I finished a, 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 a argument or or some type of conversation, I wish I had said 
this or said it like that. Sometimes I wish I had jumped in and said it before they said what they had to say. We end up feeling foolish because we weren't persuasive sometimes. Obviously, Paul's experience had a great impact on his next opportunity, though. It says he entered Corinth in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. The third verse, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Paul is exposing himself. And sometimes that's not easy to expose ourselves to others where we were weak or where we are weak. Sometimes it's hard to let folk know that we're not who others say that we are. The word weakness comes from an original word used for a sickness. It suggests that Paul was so scared he was physically ill. The word trembling indicates something we've all experienced. Our hands are shaking or we're nervous. The opposite word is confidence. By the time Paul reached Corinth, he had lost his confidence. Sometimes in life, we lose our confidence. It's all part of being human. Possibly he wondered if the fruit he had seen in other cities had come from God's blessings on Barnabas or Silas. Some of you probably didn't even know that Paul experienced these feelings the same as we do today. But I serve a God that says, great is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And it's so important to, to, to always keep so dear to your heart who God is. And if God, we know that God is the Alpha and the Omega. We know that God is the, the beginning and the end. We know that God is everything. We know that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ, which strengthens me. We know that he said he would supply us of all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's time for us to know the scripture and live the scripture and, and truly take the word of God and, and apply it in every situation of our life. Paul knew the only thing he had to really know, it wasn't his education. It wasn't the law. But he determined to base his life and ministry on Christ, which is totally certain. He didn't have to wonder. He didn't have to stand and debate with those that felt they knew the law so much better that had been schooled toward and 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 they were ready to to debate they were professional debaters well that's what you are running into out here in life is professional debaters folk that want to argue and 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 go back and forth with the word of god want to go back and forth with what you believe and you must truly know in your heart today who God is in your life. No matter what anybody says or does to, to, to speak contrary against what you know in the word of God, you must know and stand on it. Who God is in your life. 
Don't sit around and allow the, the negative to just overwhelm you. And I imagine Paul was overwhelmed at some point. And, and, and it's all because of our feelings. How I constantly speak on that. Be careful about those thoughts that you give more than 30 seconds, that you entertain more than 30 seconds because now they become a feeling. And now you have to deal with the feeling. And when you don't deal with the feelings, you become depressed because it's kept inside and you don't get it out. And the Bible tells me above all else, guard your heart for out of it flows issues of life. We were designed for issues to come out. We were designed to speak about certain things. We were designed to not keep it in because it you internalize it, thus becoming depressed. The enemy would have enjoyed preventing Paul from ministering in Corinth because the feelings, <laughs> here we go again, because the feelings of inadequacy. Sometimes in life we feel inadequate. Sometimes in life, we, we feel like we just don't measure up to other people. Sometimes in life, we just feel like we don't, we don't add up to, if we're a female, we don't add up to someone else, how they take care of their children. Sometimes we feel like, as a male, we don't add up to other men, how they take care of their household. We don't add up, you know, because financially, maybe we don't, we're not on the same level with someone else. Maybe they're making more money. Maybe they, they have more property. Maybe they have, they have, they have. That's a feeling. You've allowed those thoughts to turn into feelings. Now you got to get rid of the thought and the feeling. And if when you don't, now you're sitting around and it doesn't matter what you have, what you call success, but in your mind and in your heart now, you're a wreck because you are comparing yourself to someone else instead of comparing yourself to the word of God. What does God say about me? He says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous is the works of God, not of man, but of God. We can put cologne on, we can put makeup on, we can get extensions in our hair, we can get a haircut, we can shave, we can put on the best pointed toe shoes, we can put on the best beautiful dress out here, but at the end of the day, It comes back to what does God think about you? Not about anybody else. Not about any man or woman. What does God think about you today? Not what Satan tries to throw your way. Because we understand here by the word of God that Satan was unsuccessful trying to take control of Paul and his feelings and his, 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 his thoughts and the things that he was dealing with. God instead used Paul's feelings to give a great demonstration of the spirit and power. Notice here in the fourth verse it says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Demonstrating. We need more folk out here to demonstrate the, the power of God. 
Not about how smart you are, how you can break the word of God down, how you can show someone how intellectual you are, but how about let the spirit of God, his power, be demonstrated in our lives more. Because it goes further to say in the fifth verse that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your faith, what you believe in, should be in knowing that God has the power to change coronavirus. Not some doctor out here, not some scientist, but it's the power of God that I believe in, that I have faith in. I don't have faith in man doing things the way that they supposed to, but I have faith in God. The word for demonstration in this passage means proof. Do you see what Paul meant? He was so intimidated by the time he reached Corinth, the abundant fruit ultimately produced through his preaching was proof of the Holy Spirit's power. God sometimes uses us most powerfully when we feel the least adequate. And that's why the word of God says, my grace is sufficient for thee. When I am weak, I am strong. What a powerful word. My grace, God says, is sufficient for thee. The one certain thing that you must hold tight to today. You must base your life on Christ. That's the only certain thing that we have. Check yourself today. When's the last time you've lost your confidence? When did you have to do something that made you so nervous? Your hands shook, or you even became physically ill. What did you learn about yourself and about God in this process? What did you learn about yourself? The one thing you should have learned is that I can't do it without God. The one thing that you should have found out about who you are whether you male, female, child, is that without God, I can do nothing. God needs to strengthen our hands when they're weak. He needs to steady your knees when they're shaking. You see, the word of God tells us, be strong and do not fear. God is all we need. He said, put your trust in him. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Never leave you nor forsake you. For someone out there that has been struggling with insecurity, lack of confidence, which will immobilize you, paralyze you, thereby being intimidated which turns into terror in your life don't let folk intimidate you 
Don't let the enemy intimidate you, make you feel like that you're no one, you're nobody. Maybe you didn't go to college like someone else. Maybe you don't make six figures like someone else. Don't allow the enemy to intimidate you because the one thing you need to stay sure of is that you know Christ. And you base your life off of Christ. Not off of how much money you have in your bank account. But Christ. You base your life off of who Christ is. What does he say about you today? And I know my God says that he made me. And he didn't do anything wrong. He said, fearfully and wonderfully are thy works. He didn't do anything wrong. Stop looking at yourself and staying so caught up in the negative. Thinking more about the negative than the positive. Every situation you should be going before the Lord and, and thanking him for bringing you out of whatever it is before you even ever see it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. You can't wait until it happens. You have to start believing before it ever shows up. And you have to believe that God is bringing it to the forefront. God is bringing it to the light. I am that I am. God says. We serve a wise God, a wise God, a mighty God, a God that said, I will be there with you no matter what you go through. Do not lose heart today. The Bible tells us it's but a light affliction. The things which are temporary. They cannot compare to the things which are eternal. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your blessed, life-changing word. Life cannot conquer us, and we thank you. No matter what we deal with, no matter what we run into, we thank you, Father, for just being our Father. We thank you for coming down here, Lord Jesus, and, and, and sending your son that gave us life and, and that we might have life, Father. We thank you for the, your son that left the Holy Ghost, that we would have a comforter and a, 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 a guider. And we thank you for the Holy Ghost today, Father, leading us and, and taking us where we need to go and, and showing us things that are for us because of being children of God. We thank you, Father, for this prayer today. We thank you for strengthening those out there, Lord Jesus, that may be weak. Giving them strength, Father, and healing bodies, healing minds in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for supplying us with all of our needs. We thank you, God. For even allowing us to have some of our wants. 
We praise you. We magnify you. We adore you, Father. We make love to you right now, and we just tell you thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, be blessed until we meet again. Thank all of those. I thank you for your tithing and your offerings, and I thank you for your prayers. Fervent, effectual prayers availeth much. Be blessed until we meet again. Have a wonderful day.